Happy New Year, everybody, and it's 2014, and of course that means a new crop of players for Jurgen Klinsmann to have a look at. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, buddy? Happy New Year, Garrett. It's a new year. Uh, time for another 100 shows. Let's see if we can get it done. I know. I'm amazed that we were able to cram 100 shows in, but we did in 2013. Thank you, everyone, Barely. for listening. No, details, Ivis. The show went up on January 31st. Doesn't matter what time it did. It went no, no, up. December, December 31st, yeah. around 10 oh, December, yes. A little late, uh, but, but we got it. We got it, though. Yeah, yeah. For, for those admit, the vote, for those of you who missed it, and if any of you are listening now and missed episode 100, what's wrong with you? Go back and listen. It was a great show. Three great guests. But the funny part about it is, we, we put all the work in to get 100 episode 100 up and out with with a great list of guests, and then we had technical difficulties that we couldn't get the show up until 10 p.m. Eastern time on New Year's Eve. So uh, we finally got it up and. You know, hopefully, That's hopefully you got a chance to listen. If you didn't, it's a must listen. One, it might be the, it's one of the best shows of the year. Tim Howard was great. Uh, Terrence Boyd was as funny as ever, and then Andrew Farrell uh, was also great with uh, some of his, his the insights of his of his rookie year. So, uh, you know, we set the bar pretty high there with uh, you know getting three guests, but we are trying to get back on the horse when it comes to getting guests, and uh, hopefully we can keep that ball rolling. We've already got one guest in the can for this show. One interview done and uh, pretty, another pretty good one. Yeah, it is a it's a, it is a pretty good one. It's amazing. For for a couple months, I was we couldn't get any guests, and all of a sudden, boom, just like that, we're getting guests. Well, just to clarify, it wasn't that we couldn't get any guests. <laughs> that we kept recording shows at three a.m. and it's, That's true. it's a little tough to get guests when you're recording at two a.m., three a.m. Unless, of course, you you know you luck out and you go get someone who's in Europe and and that's like morning time for them, but. Uh, you know we're gonna try to do a little better job of that of of recording at normal times so we can uh, so we can get uh, you know the people that everyone wants to listen to and everyone wants to hear from. So and one quick thing when you uh, listen to this show definitely in the comment section on as on Soccer Bibles make sure you let us know what people you'd like to uh, see be guests on the show because you know we're always open to suggestions and we're definitely going to be trying to have a, a, a little more broad variety of people on the show. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I feel like we're, we're opening up a can of worms by allowing people to give some names, though, Ivis. Well, no, look, hey, people can, <laughs> obviously people can suggest names. Doesn't mean we'll be able to get them. I mean, there, there's some people that are you know, more realistic that we can get than others. I mean, you're not going to get, you know, uh, Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo or anyone like that. But on the American soccer scene, uh, we can we can get a pretty pretty decent number of people, whether it's coaches or, or players or, or or what have you. So you know we'll, we'll try to keep that rolling and try to step it up on the interview side. Actually, that's your mission now for when you go to Brazil is to get an exclusive interview with Ronaldo. That should be your only purpose in Brazil now. Why Ronaldo? Why got to be Ronaldo? Why not? You know, exclusive. Throw me Messi. I, how how good is his English though? Oh, actually, you Are speak you, Spanish, so you you could fly. Yeah, I, no, I'd have know, to be left out. R- R- listen, Ronaldo would probably be. Yeah, Ronaldo could actually do it in English, but good luck getting him for for an interview. <laughs> yeah, no, could so. you imagine? Yeah, no. Well, you, yeah, meet him at his uh, what is that private museum that he has? All right, enough Ronaldo talk, Ivis. We can talk about enough of that when it gets to Brazil 2014 World Cup. We need to talk about the U.S. Men's National Team. As I just mentioned, Jurgen called in a field of 26 players for the yearly January camp. We've talked about this in the past, Ivis, how important this camp is for a lot of guys to move on to the next level, a.k.a. the U.S. Men's National Team. For you, Ivis, when you looked at the roster, what were kind of the biggest surprises that stood out to you? Well, to be honest, I don't know if you could say there were big surprises. I thought Jurgen Klinsmann did a good job with this group of of tapping into the talent in MLS and 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 really picking out guys who impressed uh, in 2013 in the league, and who stepped up and, and showed well at positions that the national team needs some depth in. Uh, you know, when you look at left back, I mean, as a position, when you talk about Chris Clute, Seth Sinovich, Michael Harrington, all three guys had really good years, and and with left back being a position that just doesn't have much depth, it's a it's a perfect opportunity for those guys to impress Klinsman to take that next step up. And for me, I thought that was big. Uh, I think Mike McGee getting called in, uh, it, you'd like, you love seeing that. Cause I mean, the guy had a career year, uh, but it's not his first year being a quality player. He's been a quality player for a few years now in MLS, but this year he was so outstanding. It remains to be seen what his future is on the team, what kind of role he can fill, but, st- it, w- but you just like to see the fact that a player is rewarded for having such an outstanding season and playing at such a high level. 
just to give him that opportunity because that's what all these players want, just to have an opportunity to get into a camp, mm-hmm. to, to play next to these other guys, to, to, to stack, them, stack up and measure themselves against the guys who are already in the camp. And, and I'm sure Mike McGee, you know what, if he doesn't make the cut down the road, I don't think he's going to care. At least he will have had his opportunity. And another player, obviously, for me, Benny Failhaber, who's someone that you know I talked about after MLS Cup on the show. And I said, look, you know, this is a guy who's played well enough that you have to think about him. When you, when you talk about uh, the position he plays and, and what he brings to the table, it's, it's unique in the player pool. You know, there aren't a ton of quality, really skilled uh, attacking midfielders in the pool that can give you what he can give you. And I think personally, he's improved his game playing under Peter Ramiz. He's worked on the defensive side of his game. And I think, I think he can absolutely work his way back into the conversation of the full senior team. Really? Benny Philhover, man, I don't see that at all. I, I just, the midfield's too crowded for me. I, and plus, I, I don't think he's consistent enough. Well, you can see, well, why consi- consistent in what, in terms of what? I mean, in, they, in just they, his play, I think Mix Discrude offers you way more in the attacking front. I, I how think, many games have you seen Discrude play that you can say he's consistent? But Phil but, Hubbard is not consistent. Like, what, what do you base consistency on? Benny Phil Hubbard, look, he had a great postseason for Kansas City. I, I'm, I'm not going to take that away from him. But in the season, Ivis, he, he disappeared and, and popped up. And, I mean, and also for the postseason, a, a few things kind of went his way that, that benefited him and sporting Kansas City. I, I just think, look, if you're, if you're going to take players to Brazil, I'm taking mixed Discarude over Benny Fellhaber. I, I think it's great that he's called it, and I think it's also great to see other guys like Dax McCarty, Eric Alexander, and like you said, Mike McGee, guys who have earned it. But but for me, I just, between Kyle Beckerman, Mix, Jermaine Jones, Michael Bradley, Sasha Kleschen, I, I just I think it's between those five guys right there. Well, see, the thing is, of all those guys, Phil Hybrid brings unique qualities that those other guys just simply do not bring. And I'm not saying he's going to make the team. What I'm saying is he has qualities that if he can get it together in camp, he absolutely can take the next step and move on. And it doesn't have to necessarily be an either-or thing with Phil Hybrid and and, uh, mm-hmm. and Discaru. I mean, I know most people will see it that way, and it absolutely could end up being that. But I tell you what, I think if – Based on what Peter Vermees put him through this year, and I and, and I'll agree with you, he had his ups and downs. He got benched late in the year, uh, and he responded great. He responded very well to that. It's up to Phil Harbor to prove it in camp, and now he's got his opportunity. And then, you know what? If he gets out of that camp and impresses and has a big camp, why can't he keep going? Why can't he take the next step? You know what I mean? I think he just brings a unique quality. Uh, and of the players you mentioned, there's one for me when the when the roster came out, one name stood out to me the most. As a as a kind of a head scratcher, and that was Eric Alexander. And I'm not trying to knock the guy; he had a good year. You, you can argue, yes, he had a career year for the New York Red Bulls, mm-hmm. but it's still a unique pick because he's just he's not a he's not really a winger. He's not really someone who I who I, I'm not I'm not sure anyone can really see him contributing in the middle of the park. So where exactly is he going to fit in, right? And then that's where I think I, I think some people scratch their heads. I mean, I saw him play quite a bit. Uh, for the Red Bulls this year, and he had some good games, and 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 he, you know, he 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 stepped up his work rate. It's not his first January camp that should be pointed out. He he was called in in 2011 by Bob Bradley after his rookie year. He's got some qualities, but that one for me was probably the most surprising uh, player included in the list. Uh, the one thing Ivis that we've also seen Jurgen able to do is kind of bring some younger guys into camp, kind of just show them the ropes. They might not get playing time in the games, but Jurgen has done that. You know, Aaron Hansen, Terrence Boyd. You know, this camp we see Chris Clute, uh, we see DeAndre Yedlin, Luis Gill. I mean, what does it mean for Jurgen to bring these younger guys into camp? Well, I think specifically the U20s, uh, the guys who were part of the U20 World Cup team, uh, Yedlin, Shane O'Neill, and Luis Gill. Uh, I think that's kind of a you know, a nod towards 2018, in my opinion. Because, I mean, realistically speaking, are any of these guys going to be on the World Cup team? I don't I, I just don't see it. I know, I know there's that contingent of people that swear up and down DeAndre Yedlin is ready to, you know, play and start for the national team. It's just, I just, it's crazy. I don't see it. He's He's got great upside, great qualities that he could develop into a, a, a top-notch center back. But anyone expecting him to, to, to his, his, his trajectory of development to get him to the World Cup uh, and, and be a contributor, I'm sorry. It's I just don't see it happening. There's just other right-back options. He's too young. I think people are completely ignoring the fact that later in the year, he really, really broke down. Late in the regular, late in the 2013 mm-hmm. MLS season, he really got exposed. He obviously, obviously hit the wall playing-wise, playing, you know, playing wise, but you just saw more of the kind of the weaknesses that will that he'll be able to, you know, fill, erase over time. He, he'll get, gain experience. He's just not there yet. But 
that being said, he's he got a world of talent. Same with Louis Skills, same with Shane O'Neill. And you like seeing that uh, you like seeing those guys get the call in because you know what? It's not just about 2014. You also have to think about the Olympics, the next Olympic cycle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 2016 is right around the corner. It's only a couple years away. And all three of those guys could absolutely play key roles uh, in that cycle. So for me, I think it was it's a great step to get those guys into the conversation, get them into a camp, let them see what the higher level is. Uh, but I think people should definitely take it easy projecting any of those guys to be a factor in 2014. That, was there anyone that was not named that you were surprised didn't get an invitation? No. Surprise? No. I, I would say not. I, you know what? And I know the thing is, that's that's part of the deal, right? It's always mm-hmm. a question. Who are the snubs? And I'd tell you what, I think I think Klinsman did a good job. You know, when, when calling in a McGee. Uh, obviously, he's a you know that's a big one because he's he's a guy who has has been left out in the past and people have been left scratching their heads. Uh, Fail Haber is someone who I think people would have questioned just because, again, the qualities that he brings and the way he ended the year. You know, you had you had to you know think about him. Uh, I, I put a list together uh, of player of kind of a best eleven of guys who could have been part of this group, uh, and you know you have guys like Clint Irwin for Colorado, uh, Perry Kitchen. Uh, Lee Wynn, for me, if there was like a number one guy, a guy who I say, you know what, if, if Jurgen Klinsmann gave me a, like a free invitation to the national team camp pass that I could give to any player, I'd probably go Kellen Rowe for New England Revolution. I mean, here's a guy playmaking qualities. And again, get, getting back to the whole Phil Albert thing of true, pure attacking midfielder type that can, you know, deliver the killer pass in the final third. Uh, Kellen Rowe really came into his own this year and he's still so young. He's, he's someone with a really bright future. And, and, again, he still has to work on a few things. He still has to work on being more of a two-way player, uh, being able to cover more ground going back and forth, like having that kind of two-way ability so you're not a liability you know, in, on the field. And, and he, for me, uh, the, the time's going to come. If he keeps developing, the time's going to come where Kellen Rose is going to be called up. And, and I think, for me, it would have been interesting to see him called in this time. Well, Ivis, we're probably going to see a lot of these guys step up over the next four weeks. Golden opportunity for them to impress Jurgen with hands-on. Uh, one guy who took advantage of that in 2013 was was Matt Beasler, who going into 2013 camp, Ivis, he was trying to earn a spot. But now, you know, he has some guys that are going to be pushing him for that center-back spot. Well, it, it's funny you mention that because, you know, I, I wrote a piece a few weeks back where, where I listed the players who increased their stock the most in 2013 national team wise and Matt Beasler topped the list for me we're talking about a guy who didn't have a cap going into 2013 didn't have a single cap he and then he ends the year as the starter for the U.S. national team at center back arguably the number one center back in the pool an MLS cup champion I mean he did it all he did it all he outstanding year best 11 really just put it all together this year uh and it's just a perfect example of a player taking full advantage of every opportunity that came his way and he earned it he earned it and now he's out on top of his game and for my money he is the best for me he's the best center back in the pool when you want to talk about a skill on the ball combined with with this set with impressive speed people don't realize how fast Matt Beasler is Uh, and I've pointed I've mentioned it before that you know the team had they do their speed testing and they did their speed testing in the summer when they had the full team together and he actually he timed out as the fastest player on the team uh, which would surprise some people. And, and, and you know, he, he just, that combination of, of skill on the ball, speed, and ability to read the game well makes him, for me, the best center back in the pool. And it's just crazy that a guy who a year ago had zero caps is now standing with that kind of stature on the team. And, and, and it's great to see. And it just shows you that, you know what, if you take advantage of your opportunities, you can absolutely move up the ladder. And Jurgen Klinsmann will give you that opportunity. So, uh, Beesler is absolutely an inspiration for a lot of these new guys coming into camp. Well, and it also showed. I mean, look at him and Omar in that Mexico game. I mean, that January camp together worked out well for them. And speaking of Matt Beesler, Ivis, we have him on the phone. He is the center back for Sporting Kansas City. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure having you on. The MLS offseason seems to have no break. And for a guy like you called into the U.S. men's national team, January camp, you're going to be back in action uh, next week. I, I'm curious on kind of what your mentality is. Because last year, I, I kind of went back and looked at some U.S. men's national team press clippings. And, and one of them was a journal from you where you talked about how 2013 was such a big year with World Cup qualifiers, gold matches, and friendlies. You really took advantage of that. And, and going into this year's camp, 2014, compared to 2013, where's your mentality like knowing that you had such a successful 2013 campaign with the U.S. men's national team? Yeah, I 
it's pretty much the the same mentality. Um, I think one of the challenges as a player is to to uh, you know set goals every single season and, and try and achieve those. So uh, I set a lot of goals in 2013, uh, but this year is going to be the same way. Uh, I've, I've actually uh, I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to sit down here and, and and set some goals and and try and achieve those. So I think I'm just you know, maybe set the bar a little bit higher, uh, but hopefully I can have you know another successful season. Now, now Matt, obviously the uh, the past year has been a has been a roller coaster ride for you. A lot of a lot of your goals did uh, you did achieve a lot of the goals that you set out to achieve this year. It just in the past calendar year. When you think back to everything that happened in the past year, could you have imagined uh, national team debut? becoming a starter, playing in some in so many big games, winning an MLS Cup, and then capping it all off by getting married. Uh, talk about a talk talk about a heck of a year. Yeah, I mean it's it's a crazy year. It's been super busy, but I like it. I I enjoy, I've enjoyed every second of it. And I think you know the last maybe three or four seasons, I feel like I've been preparing myself for moments that have happened over, you know, the year of 2013. Um, you know, physically, mentally, even emotionally, I, I feel like I've prepared myself just in case I got an opportunity uh, to make sure that I could take advantage of it. And, um, you know, like you were saying, I, I feel like for the most part, I, I've done that um, and, and we'll have to keep it going for 2014. No, we have to ask you about the MLS Cup, uh, obviously winning the championship, great, great moment in your career how, but was that the coldest game you've ever played in your life and uh how long did it take you to thaw out from that and that that whole experience yeah i mean it, it was freezing uh but actually the weekend or i guess it was two weekends before the for the semis right um but the night game against houston for me that was colder um than the mls cup final i don't know why maybe you know the afternoon mls cup final with the sun being out or because it was a final, I, I wasn't, you know, paying attention to the cold as much. But uh, for me, the Houston game was colder. But it's, you know, it's one A and one B. For those are the two <laughs> coldest games by far um, that I've ever played. And uh, I, I got to be honest, I was actually pretty cold. Uh, there's there's no uh, hiding the fact. As a player, you, you get cold no matter what. Well, Matt, like I just said, I mean, with all the big things that happened to you in 2013, what was the biggest moment? And if, and if your wife was listening, it was clearly the wedding, right? Oh gosh, uh, I don't know if my wife's gonna listen to the show. So um, I can maybe say something soccer, but if she ha- if she's listening, I'll have to say the wedding. Uh, yeah, no, the, the wedding for me personally uh, was was probably the biggest event uh, soccer wise. I don't know. There's there was a lot of good memories. Um, the the first uh, qualifier for me against Mexico down in Azteca that was a really fun memory. Uh, but I'd have to say just the feeling of qualifying for the World Cup. Uh, that was probably the biggest thing, accomplishment for me. Now, now, here we are. It's January, and it's 2014. The World Cup's six months away. Everyone's counting it down and starting to count the days. And, and now you have this camp coming up that you start uh, tomorrow, actually. And uh, you've got a bunch of Sporting KC guys on the roster. What do you what do you think of that, uh, of seeing those guys uh, on the squad with you? And, and, and what do you think about the talent in this group uh, th- that's come in for this camp? Yeah, I'm I'm really excited for this camp. Uh, I, I can't wait to get started. I, you know, I, I feel like some guys might look at the camp as as like a drag, or you know, it's it's three or four weeks and it might be a little long. But for me, I I'm just I'm really excited to uh, to get going with the guys and get to work. Uh, I feel like um, no matter what position you're in, uh, you can accomplish a lot with this January camp. So. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to meeting up with, with some of the guys that I've already played with, like Omar in the back and Brad Evans and Landon and, and Graham, and um, you know, working on our chemistry because I think that's probably the biggest thing. Uh, it's going to be really important. Uh, but then also the new guys. I think if you look at the roster, it's it's a great group of guys. Uh, I think everyone's got a really good dad. Everyone's hungry. Uh, and, and I think a lot of the guys uh, – deserve it you know deserve the call up and i'm going to be excited to see how they do how excited are you to defend your speed test title and are you you have some challenges there so you know because i remember in june you had the fastest time 
and, and there yeah, were some questions about that. So, so you think you think you can defend that? There time? were. <laughs> oh, I hope so. I hope so. Uh, you know, last year in the off season, uh, I spent a lot of time working on uh, some speed and some strength drills, and I think that helped me during the testing. But uh, this year, I've, I've been doing the same thing. I haven't had that much time, but uh, my legs feel fresh. Um, we'll see. Maybe it was the guy who was uh, clocking me. I think he might have helped me out. Okay. <laughs> nice. Well, Matt, last year we, we saw with the U.S. men's national team that, that everyone seemed to be really tight on the team. You know, winning does have that effect. But when you look at the January camp and the guys who propelled from that really made, you know, huge contributions, you know, you yourself, Omar Gonzalez, Eddie Johnson, Mix, uh, Brad Evans. I mean, how important was that for a lot of you guys to step up last year and kind of have that sense of togetherness that we saw throughout the whole entire season with the U.S. men's national team? Yeah, it's, it's what drives us, you know. The competition is, is good for everybody. And I think everyone kind of saw what happened last January camp with, with the guys taking advantage of opportunities. And um, who knows? I, I don't think there's probably as many spots up for grabs, but there, there's plenty of spots um, still. And, and I think it's going to be interesting to see who steps up um, and, and takes advantage and, I think this camp is going to be just as competitive, if not more competitive, than last camp. Matt, how does your mindset change, or does it change now that you're you've kind of gone from the hunter to the hunted in the sense that a year ago you were still looking for your first cap, uh, trying to get into the group, and now come now you come into this camp and you're you're a projected starter. Uh, you know, by most people most people's accounts, you're the top center back in the pool. Uh, how, how's your mindset change going into camp now where you, you, you're just obviously in a different position? Yeah, it's crazy. I was actually thinking about that uh, this afternoon because I, uh, just today I got three phone calls, um, one of them from a current teammate and two of them from ex-teammates, and they were uh, they were talking about what's upset going into camp, and uh, they were kind of asking me uh, <laughs> some tips on on what they uh, what they need to get ready for. And, I, I hung up the phone. I was like, gosh, this feels different. Like, I feel like a veteran. And, uh, but it does. It, it makes me excited. I, I want to get there and, and just get, get to playing. But um, you're right about, you know, being hunted. Uh, you you got to come in with the same mentality as, as your first ever camp, and you got to be hungry. And uh, I think I am still. So. I think I asked you this before, back in the past, but you had a year on the national team. You played a bunch of games uh, all over. Who on the team impressed you? Not to put you on a spot about who, who who you like playing with or anything, but was there anyone on the team that just impressed you with with the, their the way they played or just you know being a teammate? Uh, was there anyone that kind of stood out for you? Is like, wow, this guy is on another level. Yeah, I mean, I, it's a say because every player is different and and every player is you know good in their own way, but. For me, it's it's probably Michael Bradley. Uh, he's he's really 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 good. Um, some of the stuff he does, the uh, the decisions he makes, and uh, you guys know the stats better than I do. But his passing percentages after games are like ridiculous, right? They're like nine and ninety percent. Right. Right. Yeah, and he just he just never loses the ball, and uh, that's just a very underrated uh, quality to have, and. Uh, a lot of our stuff goes through him, and he just seems to, to make the right play. Uh, so for me, he's—I've been most impressed with him. Uh, Matt, uh, this past year, your brother won the men's college cup title at Notre Dame. I mean, how happy were you for him, and to see Notre Dame having the success after you left the program? I was really happy for him, um, but uh, but my new wife, Amanda, wasn't happy with him because he uh, <laughs> he actually missed missed the wedding because. Uh, you know, it was on the same weekend, and if if they lost semis on Friday, but since they won, he had to stay in uh, in Philadelphia, and um, I'm glad they ended up on Sunday. It's a really exciting game. I'm really happy for him. Now, you, I saw in the broadcast something about the family was going to go to the game on Sunday, but the flight was canceled. What what, what happened there? Yeah, so. Um, my mom and dad and my middle brother Mike were—they were all scheduled to fly out first thing, and 
Uh, we were sitting at the reception on Saturday night, and my dad gets a text alert from the airlines and says, your flight's been canceled. Uh, so they are all scrambling, alert, scrambling around trying to figure it out, and uh, they ended up finding another airline, and they got on a flight at like 9 o'clock in the morning, and they got into Philly like right at noon, and I think the game was at 1.30. Wow. Uh, so they didn't miss anything, but I wasn't able to to come up and watch. I had to watch on TV back in Kansas City. How, how tough was that? How, what was that like for you? Usually you're playing in these games. you got to feel a little helpless almost. It's almost tougher to watch a game than, than playing it, right? How tough was that? Oh, for sure. For sure. I'd much rather play in a big game than watch it because you're, uh, you're a lot more nervous watching it. But Nick, uh, Nick had a good season. He had an injury midway through, and he was able to come back um, at the end of the season. And, um, you know, I, I'm just really excited for him. And he he definitely, over Christmas and New Year's, he made it clear that he had uh, one college ring and I did not. <laughs> See, you, 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 couldn't, you couldn't brag about the MLS Cup yet because he hasn't gotten to the league. Is that, is that what it is? Exactly. I didn't, yeah. I mean, it, he, he was the one bringing it up. He didn't, he doesn't have his ring yet, but uh, he had a few T-shirts and a couple hats and, I don't think he took his hat off like one time during maybe for a church on Christmas Eve because he had to. But nice, nice. Well, 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 obviously titles are are big things uh, for you personally. Uh, what was that experience like when uh, when the PKs uh, in the MLS Cup final that last PKs missed and you guys win? What was that experience like? I mean, obviously I saw you. We saw you that night, and uh, you know you, you had the you know the ear to ear grin. What was that whole experience yeah. like that night? I mean, it's it's just it's something that's it's hard to explain, honestly. And uh, first five or ten minutes after it happens, you're just you're basically overwhelmed. Uh, you're just you're so happy, and um, like I said, it's it's overwhelming. You know, the feeling and the emotions and stuff. And and then about ten minutes hits, and I think the game probably had a lot to do with it going into overtime and it being so long and it being cold, but after 10 minutes, I was just like drained physically <laughs> and right. I just got like extremely tired. And, um, but no, I mean, it's, it's something that this group's been working for, you know, for three or four years and we've been close and, uh, it's, it feels great to, to do it with the guys and it's something we'll always have, you know? Now, one story that I thought was interesting that they, they, they told me after, after that game at, in the post game was, was about the penalty kick. Uh, and for those who don't remember, uh, Matt's PK was saved by Nick Romando, and uh, as it turned out, you guys had you know you had practiced PKs on Nick uh, with the national team, so he kind of had an idea what you would do. So that being the case, are you gonna re- are you gonna think a little differently now when you go when you go go to LA and you start practicing PKs on uh, on Nick? Are you gonna you gonna have to reconsider your approach there? I, I think I don't know. I think I'm gonna have to. I uh, I'm excited to see Nick Romando and Kyle Beckerman too. I. I'm going to shake Nick's hand as soon as I see him tomorrow and tell him that uh, he's lucky because he guessed right on my penalty kick. <laughs> um, but, no, I, you know, it was something I was kind of debating all week if it went to penalties, if I was going to go uh, the way that I usually go or if I wanted to change it up. And at the end of the day, I, I went with what I normally do, and um, so did he, and he, he made a good save. and. But it all doesn't matter because my, my teammates bailed me out and they bailed Graham out too. Nice. So it's all good. Nice. Nice. Well, well, Matt, well, thank you so much for uh, jumping on the show with us today and good luck with the U.S. Men's National Team Camp in January. All right. Thanks, guys. And as always, Ivis, great stuff with Matt Beezer. Nice to have him a uh, second time on the show. Also, that first question I asked Ivis was just, oh, man, that was a train wreck. <laughs> it was pretty bad. I mean, I. I know, I know. I'm sure that it sounded better in your head as you started to ask it, but then it just kind of, it just kind, it just kept going. It just kept on going. I didn't know when it was going to end. It sounded, I thought, it sounded really good in my head. Yeah, I was worried about us losing our connection before we got to the end of that. I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. Yeah, this guy. All right, Ivis. Well, we need to move over. Uh, you know, speaking of MLS with Matt Beasler, tons of news coming out. You broke some news over the weekend. I'll let you take it away on Gold.com. News of the Colorado Rapids. What's the latest? with them and Oscar Perea? Well, I reported on Friday... Wait, was it Friday? I'm sorry. I reported on Saturday morning that Oscar Perea has left the Colorado Rapids. He has stepped down as head coach of the Colorado Rapids. Now, the Rapids have yet to address this report. They have not announced his departure, but it has happened. I have 
I have had it confirmed that it has happened, and, and if anything, people should see that the fact that it hasn't even been acknowledged two days later it should tell you something there. I mean, you know, because it's made the rounds. Basically, he chose to step down on Friday, and now it looks like, uh, you know, the Rapids are trying to work things out with FC Dallas on what, on what kind of compensation package can be put together to make Oscar, Oscar Pereja the new FC Dallas coach. And look, I'm sure the Rapids are not happy with what's happened. What's hap- what not happy with the situation. And I know that, you know, especially look, Rapids fans are obviously not going to be pleased about it because, you know, to see your coach who did such an amazing job this year, uh, leave in, under these circumstances, you know, you're going to be understandably upset. Uh, but you know what? It, it's something that's kind of been in the works, you know, the, even before, even when he got to Colorado. I mean, at, at the end of the day, Perea's a Dallas guy. He, he he always seemed to be the natural successor for Shellis Hyman. Uh, but then he went and took this Colorado job, and he did a good job there. Now he wants to go back to Dallas, and ultimately Colorado just has to has to work it out. They have to, you know, if they just try to block him from going, I mean, it's going to turn into a bit of a messy situation. So it's going to come down to Colorado and FC Dallas having to figure out what the p- compensation is going to be, uh, because you know what, it, it, they should be able to work something out. You'd like to see it happen, hopefully. I mean, maybe MLS will have to step in and mediate. But at this point, what we do know, or what, what I have reported and what will eventually come out this week, is that Pereja is no longer the coach of the Colorado Rapids. Oh, okay, T- just look at it from from his perspective. I mean, as you said, I mean, yes, he, he's a Dallas guy. I mean, he played for them, assistant coach there. But I, I just I find it confusing, Ivis, and maybe you can kind of relate this or explain it, why he would leave a talented Colorado team with the amount of young players that they had where they could turn into maybe you could say the next sport in Kansas City. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, uh, it's tough. When you when you have a player who has the kind of ties that he has to an organization like Oscar Perea has, I mean, he spent a long, he spent a long time in Dallas, right? His family didn't leave. From what I understand, his family never even left Dallas. He went to Colorado. His family stayed behind for two years now in Dallas. And that should, if anything, that should tell you something, right? If you, if the guy's family never left, then then what what's the deal, right? I mean, it's not that much of a shock that he wants to go back. Um, you know, so from from that standpoint, for whatever reason, he doesn't want to stay in Colorado. I mean, looking on the face of it, when you look at both rosters, right? Colorado's got a more talented roster. They have a brighter future just from that standpoint. But at the same time. When you look at FC Dallas, they have a they have some impressive talent coming up the ranks. When you want to talk about their their academy setup, you, I mean, I know you know your academy systems and all that. <laughs> yeah, FC, da- FC, FC Dallas is known as one of the better academies, they, right? They do. They have a huge player pool to choose from. Right. So they have that, and and you know they have they have some money. They spend some money. They're not afraid to go out and 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 put some money down on you know some bigger name players or some. Or, or going and in, in hitting the international market or the trade market. So from that standpoint, maybe Pereja sees that just as a long-term better opportunity to, to have success. But again, I don't think it's a matter of him thinking the Dallas roster is better than the Rapids roster or he has a better chance to succeed right away with Dallas than Colorado. I think it goes deeper than that. I think he just feels more of an attachment. I mean, he played there. He, 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 he was a captain for that team. He's, he, you know, he gave his blood, sweat, and tears to that team as a player and as an assistant coach. He worked at, he worked there as an assistant as well. So, he's got so many ties to Dallas. I don't see why. I don't know why anyone is going to sit here and be surprised by it. You can be disappointed by it. You can be unhappy about it. If you, especially if you're if you're from Colorado, no one can begrudge you if you're unhappy about this whole situation. But why anyone would not understand it i mean that's just living in denial it's easy to understand why you would want to go yeah I, you're right I, I guess i shouldn't say i'm surprised i guess some more dumbfounded that when you when you look it i'm not one to believe in blue chip prospects i mean look i, I would go proven talent and when you have dylan powers sean brown shane o'neill chris clute clint Irwin. i mean come on that's five solid young players right there whoever takes over colorado ivis is going to have a nice team on their hands. As far as candidates out there, who do you think could take over the Colorado Rapids? Well, as I reported in the same report, uh, Robin Frazier is the front runner. And I think he's, you know, if I had to put my money down, I'd put my money on him getting the job. He played in Colorado. He obviously is one of the most respected coaches in the league, assistant coaches in the league. He, uh, he was Jason Christ's assistant uh, when they won the MLS Cup in 2009. And now he just recently was the assistant for, uh, for Mike Petke at the New York Red Bulls when they won the Supporter Shield. And he absolutely was a key part, a big part of the New York Red Bulls' success this year. People don't talk about it much. Mike Petke gets a lot of the love. And he does, and deservingly so. Mike Petke did his part. He did a great job. 
But Robin Frazier deserves some credit there. And I tell you what, anyone who wants to to knock Robin Frazier mm-hmm. because of his time in Chivas USA just doesn't understand the league and just doesn't understand the fact that Chivas USA during that time was a mess. He, he I can tell you from from my understanding, he just did not have much authority over a lot of the moves, a lot of a lot of the moves that the team you know, the team made at the time when he was the head coach. I mean, I can you know I can recall when Freddie Adu was available and when when Benny Philhaber was available, uh, guys that you know Robin Frazier would have been interested in bringing in. He couldn't bring in because he was USA didn't want to make it happen. So his he was a little handcuffed there. So it's tough to really judge him in a in in a situation that I can't imagine many people would have had had success in. Uh, but again, this is you know he's I, for me I think he'd be the perfect coach there. Uh, you know, to work with that team, especially the young team, you know, because I think he, he's got a good reputation of being a bit of a player's coach. He, he he works well with young players. So I think he'd be a perfect fit there. John Spencer has also been mentioned as a possibility there, the, the former Portland Timbers coach. Uh, so I'd say it's going to be one of those two guys. I think it'll be Frazier unless they can't work out a deal, unless, you know, Colorado just doesn't pony up the money, uh, which at this point, if you're Colorado, you have to you have to spend. You have to spend money. Loosen up the purse strings. You got a bunch of talent on that squad. You want to go get yourself the best possible coach. Robin Frazier seems to be that guy. Well, I was speaking of the young talent. It's crazy to think that the MLS draft is just 11 or 10 days away, depending on when you're listening to the show, on January 16th. Teams are going to be looking to obviously improve their talent build from there. Uh, Generation Adidas has signed four players, including uh, Andre Blake, a guy that you've been saying is perhaps the best goalkeeper in the draft. Right. I mean, that goes without saying. Uh, the generation Adidas class, it's, it's not complete yet. There's just the first four signings. I think we're going to see at least two, maybe three more signings after that. Uh, I know a few other players that have been offered, uh, deals, Christian Dean, who's the number one rated generation Adidas prospect. He has yet to sign a deal. He's still in negotiations. And also UConn freshman forward, Kyle Laren, the Canadian born striker who for me, outstanding prospect. I think he could, you could argue he's one of the top three talents in this draft, he has been offered, but he's also negotiating uh, his offer. Uh, another player who most likely will get an offer, uh, a defender from Wisconsin, U uh, twenty defender AJ Cochran. I think he also could sign, so that would raise it to seven. And I think that's probably what it's going to be. You know, six to seven player class, pretty small. Um, and there's some talent there. And, and as I've been saying, uh, and as I've been writing, this generation Adidas class is not as strong as we've seen in the past. It's probably the weakest that class that we've had in. Uh, arguably the history of the generation Adidas class, but there are some, there is some talent here. Um, there is some quality there. Andre Blake, outstanding prospect. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who maybe four, five, you know, three, four, five years from now is a top-notch uh, goalkeeper. Andre Blake is that kind of guy. Christian Dean, uh, from a talent standpoint, uh, as a, as a young left-footed center back, he has some te- team scouts absolutely drooling. There are some question marks about him. Uh, you know, is he tough enough? Are, are there other players who are better, pro, better pro prospects than he than he is, or ready to play right away? Does he need too many years to develop? There's some question marks there, but I can tell you, I can tell you and guarantee you, there are some teams that love this guy and might just might make an offer to DC United to trade up to the number one spot to take Christian D. Uh, also, two seniors signed. Uh, one of them, Patrick Mullins and Steve Newman. If anyone, Also, I, I, quick before you I talk about these guys, Ivis, everyone should go check out Steve Newman's uh, profile on Georgetown soccer. His facial hair could rival Devin Sandoval. Easy. <laughs> well, look, I mean, these are obviously two of the more well-known players in the college game, at least from the kind of casual fan because of their exploits uh, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, most people will remember Newman is the player who scored the hat trick against Maryland a year ago uh, and really turned heads there. And then Patrick Mullins obviously has been the best player in college soccer for the past two years. Uh, so these are the first two senior signings. Doesn't mean they're the two best players or even the two best seniors in the draft. For me, the best senior in the draft, uh, the most highly rated among the teams uh, that are drafting in the draft is Steve Birnbaum, the the University of California uh, center back. I mean, I, for me, uh, I just dropped uh, the the latest SBI mock draft. I have him going number one overall to DC United. Uh, they could either go uh, with Pat. They could go either uh, Steve Birnbaum or they can go Pat- Patrick Mullins, uh, which is a little unique in the sense that I mean there hasn't been a senior, a non-generation Adidas slash Project Forty player taken uh, number one overall since Aleko Eskandarian. I mean we're talking 
11 years. So it, it's, a, it's a bit unheard of, but it, for whatever reason, DC United has decided they like the seniors in this draft better than they like the generation Adidas guys. So if DC United keeps the pick, chances are at this point they're going to go Steve Birnbaum or the home or the, or the home hometown Maryland player Patrick Mullins. Well, we need to change gears entirely, Ivis, and talk about the Americans abroad. Breck Shea, as we all know, hasn't seen much playing time for Stoke City. Loaned out to Championship side Barnsley. He started in his first game. What does this move mean for Breck Shea? Well, I think he, it's 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 an escape. You know, it's an escape from. Uh, the prison that had become Stoke City for him. You know, you want to talk about a guy with World Cup aspirations, a young player who needs to develop, and he was really wasting away on the bench at Stoke. And, uh, you, you know, you, you got to give the Potters a little credit for, for you know, giving him this opportunity uh, to play at a team like Barnsley. Look, Barnsley, last place in the league championship. We're not talking about a juggernaut of a team, but it's an opportunity for, for Shea to play at a decent level. Uh, playing, you know, they might be a bad team, but they play other good teams. He had a pretty good debut based on on the reviews after the game, and uh, you know what? So if he can get a bunch of games in there and hopefully step up his play, once that short end short loan ends, you know, he can go back to Stoke and hopefully work his way into the rotation. It, it, do you see this as kind of a, a final straw for Breck Shea to get on the uh, plane to Brazil for the 2014 World Cup? Well, I think he has to take advantage of it. I mean, I think it's really it, it, despite. The, the what he was able to do in, in 2013 with the opportunities that he did get, I still think he has to play and play regularly if he's going to have a chance to get in that conversation for Brazil. And look, we all know Jurgen Klinsmann rates him. Jurgen Klinsmann likes him a lot, but if he if he's going to have a realistic chance, he has to get minutes uh, at Stoke City. And I visit an interesting rumor has popped up, and we've talked about this guy a possible moving over from AZ, and, and you know, would it be a good move for him? That's Aaron Johansson before the World Cup. Some rumors heating up that he might go to Stoke City. Thoughts on this? I don't know what to make of these. I mean, basically, it emerged from the Sunday tabloids in England, and you never know what to make of these. As I've stated before, the tabloids in the UK and the tabloid sites love to write about American players, love to link American players to moves. Why? Because it gives them good traffic on their websites uh, and helps sell newspapers. Uh, you know, just rumors in general help sell newspapers. And, and I just don't know. I just find it difficult to see a AZ uh, sell their lead, leading striker, their leading score in the middle of their campaign, in the middle of their season. Um, and, you know, the rumor was five million pounds. I mean, that'd be a pretty good, uh, you know, in return on an investment for them, they bought him a year ago. Uh, and if they could turn around and then flip him for 5 million pounds, I mean, that you're, you're talking about a, uh, you know, 300, 400% um, return on your investment. It's pretty good. Uh, but for me, I really think they should wait. You know, if, if you're, if you're Azed and he's in, you know, you, you see, he's developing, you see, he's coming into his own. He's going to, he's going to be at the world cup. I mean, if he's healthy, knock on wood, if he doesn't get hurt or anything, if he's healthy, he will be on the world cup team. Very good chance he'll be getting minutes, getting even, getting even a chance to start. So why would you sell him now when he can have a big World Cup and all of a sudden you're talking a whole different, a whole different uh, area code in terms of, of transfer of money, right? Why, why, why would you take that risk? So I don't know what's going on at Azed. Maybe they need the money. Maybe it's a completely fictitious rumor. Uh, it, it remains to be seen because I mean you, you never know with these things. Uh, it was just a week ago where he tweeted a picture of him on a layover in. Uh, in in Glasgow and everyone ran with that as oh he's, he's going to Celtic and it turned out it was absolutely nothing to that so I think everyone has to kind of take this stuff with a grain of salt and other Americans in action in England in the FA Cup Josie Altador had an assist for Sunderland Clint Dempsey got the start and played 90 minutes against Norwich City and the biggest news to come from the Americans of front in the FA Cup is that a Sebastian legit made his professional debut for West Ham uh, well, it, it's definitely a positive step for him. Young midfielder, young American, very skilled midfielder. I know American fans have heard the name for ages now, right? I mean, just as a youth national team star, uh, someone who's kind of been on the radar, people have been talking about about Sebastian Leggett for for as long as I, I'd say four or five years. And he's only, you know, he's, he's still pretty young. So it's great to see him take the first step. Obviously, they got smoked, and, and it was it was a very much a second-choice lineup. Uh, Sam Allardyce, West Ham manager, having all kinds of problems. Very well could be fired. Uh, West Ham's in a world of hurt. So he trotted out a team of reserves. He gave Leggett his debut. 
Um, so it, you shouldn't take it to, uh, to mean too much as, oh, is he going to start playing for the first team now? You don't want to say that. But it was good to see him play, make his pro debut, and actually make it on American television. Uh, the game aired live on Fox Sports 2, and, and I think it was great uh, for American fans to have a chance to not only see him, but also to see Eric Lehigh. Uh, Eric Lehigh played for, for Forrest, and he, he came out, he got injured in the second half of the game, but he looked solid before the injury. You know, he showed the qualities that, that you know, make him someone who I s- insist and believe can, can contribute to the U.S. national team. I think he is someone that Kunzman has to keep an eye on, and I know some people don't believe that or agree with that. And uh, But look, he, he's playing regularly now for a pretty good Nottingham Forest team. You know, the team that, that has a, a good chance of getting promoted this year uh, out of the league championship. So he's someone to keep an eye on. And Leggett, it's a good first step for him, uh, even though who knows when he'll get his next chance to play. Uh, we also might be mentioning a new guy playing in the Premier League. That is Jermaine Jones, Ivis. Rumors coming out that he might leave Shulk. W- what possibility or do you actually see this happening? Well, I think Brad, I think Jones is going to leave Shulk. I think there's no question about that, but the question is where does he go? And there's been a lot of talk about MLS, uh, and he wants to come play in the United States at some point. So maybe now is the time for him to come here. And the question is, the big question there is, here's a guy who makes a ton of money, makes a ton of money, right? He's on a big, big contract. Uh, is he ready to take a huge pay cut and come play in MLS? Because realistically, is he a designated player? I personally don't think he is because – you know, when you want to talk about a designated player, you know, you need, you need, uh, you, you kind of are, are ideally you want an attacking player. Ideally, you want somebody that is really going to put goals in the net, set goals up, put fans in the seats. Is Jermaine Jones that player? Not really. So, uh, you know, uh, that being said, if a team sees him as, as someone who could be the missing piece, someone who could be the leader of a team, uh, could, could he then be a, a third DP or a second DP? I still I have questions about that, you know, for for what he brings to the table. I'm, you know, he's a good player, but designated player, I'm not sure. So, you know what? That that's that's going to bear watching because he absolutely could end up coming, especially if he decides that he can play for less money. If he decides, you know what? I've made my money. I want to raise my family here. Everyone who follow, anyone who follows Jermaine Jones on Instagram knows has seen his family, his, his cute kids that he has. He I'm sure he wants them to live in in, in America. And uh so he's going to come here at some point. I tell you what, you can put money on Jermaine Jones playing in MLS. The question is, when is it going to happen? Is it going to happen now, before this, going into the 24 season? Is it going to be in the summer after the World Cup? Not sure when it's going to be, but Jermaine Jones, for my money, will absolutely be in MLS sooner than later. Uh, well, speaking of MLS, one guy who is linked to the Vancouver White Cop, White White <laughs> White Caps, uh, that is uh, that is. Uh, <laughs> Bob Bradley, Ivis, he has taken a job with Norwegian side, Stab Beck. Uh, what does this mean for, for Bob Bradley? I mean, becoming, you know, one, the biggest name in, in U.S. soccer, landing a coaching job in Europe. I'll tell you what, if there was, if there were a team named the White Cops, Bob Bradley, <laughs> Bob, Bob Bradley would look like he could absolutely be the perfect coach for that team. But anyway, I, I, I can't, I can't. Yes. Um, but, you know, st- st- whether, I don't know how you pronounce it, it's Stabak, Stabak. It's Stabak, yeah. Stabak. All right, let's go Stabak. All right. Uh, it, it's a significant step, I'd say. And I know it was funny because there, there's always the people on Twitter who like to just, just kind of annoyingly be, uh, belittle things and 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 downgrade downgrade or discredit accomplishments. Uh, but th- this is absolutely an accomplishment. This is a, a step, a positive step to have an American get a European first division job. And it's and yes, it's Norway. I get it. It's not. Italy or Spain or England or even France, but there has to be a first step. You know, there has to be that first coach that kind of breaks in there, gets that job, and, and then and then tries to take it from there. And I tell you what, Bob Bradley is the kind of guy who will make it work. I I, I honestly believe that. I think he can go in there, uh, es- establish a winning mentality, help build them up, and and find success. And if he finds success there in the Norwegian first division. Uh, who's to say he they, he can't take the, another step from there? Because you know what I think. Once he shows he can do that, once he can once once he shows people who are a little skeptical that he can manage in a foreign league, I think it's going to open doors for him. Because then that puts everything else he's done into a different perspective. Then it's not just oh he managed the the U.S. national team, he managed Egypt. It's he did these things and he has shown he can manage in a foreign league. And I think that will open doors for him. 
So the next two, three years, or the, you know, I, you know, the next couple of years, it's going to be very interesting to see how he builds that team up. Uh, you know, what kind of team he puts together. Does he bring in Americans? There's already, you know, rumors out of Norway that he's reaching out to players to come play for him. I'll tell you one player that I think would make tons of sense for, uh, to, 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 for Bob Bradley to bring is Carlos Bocanegra. Uh, someone who, you know, he went to Chivas, he went to play in L.A., come back home. But he's a player who's been in Europe. He's been in Europe. He's played in a variety of different countries. Bocanegra clearly loves to experience new things. I mean, he played in, let's see, he played in England, he played in France, he played in Scotland, he played in Spain. So he's someone who doesn't mind traveling, right? So we we, we already know the Bradley Bocanegra connection. You know, he played for him in the Chicago Fire. Bradley made him the U.S. captain. So there's there, there's there's a connection there. there, there there's a a camaraderie there. So why not, you know, have Bocanegra go, uh, you know, go over to Norway and be, be on that team. So that, that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, but I'll tell you what, if you're, if you're an American soccer fan, you need, you should be rooting for Bob Bradley. You should root for him because if he has success, then it's going to make it that much easier for the next coaches, the next American coaches to take that step overseas. Yeah. And look, the Stabek was a team, Ivan says, you said, Falling on hard times. It's uh, if you can turn around, that, that that would be huge, and I think it'd be huge for the long list of guys who some of the younger guys that we talk about in MLS to make that move eventually. Without a doubt, and, uh, and you know what's funny? I know some people will point to Jason Christ and say, "Well, hey, Jason mm-hmm. Christ just might 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 find a different route to Europe by coaching NYCFC. They've got the connections with Man City, and you know what? He is going to help himself make some connections. But I tell you, in order for Jason Christ to parlay that into Europe, into a European move. I mean, that's still four years away, three, four years away. Uh, and he's going to have to really, really do well. And and you know what? He, I, I give Christ a lot of credit. He's, he's an intelligent coach, and he's been a successful coach. But you know what? Not everybody can get it done in the Big Apple. Not everyone can go to the big city, New York City, with all the pressure, all the expectations, and do well. And you know what? It, we've seen it with, with, uh, with the Red Bulls and the Metro Stars before that. High, uh, high, you know, big name coaches come in and not get the job done. So we're gonna, have, there's gonna be some pressure on Jason Christ. I, I think he'll be fine. I miss coming. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah, RSL, RSL all the way, dude. Come on. Uh, also, Bob Bradley is in the uh, his team. Stabek is uh, Stabek, excuse me, is in the city of Oslo. I mean, you knew how much I raved about Oslo in August. So I mean, I think we should take this show on the road and go visit him. Uh, yeah, we might have to do that. Might yeah. have to do that. I mean, Oslo is beautiful. We should go. You can go. You can go. I don't think I'll go. Why not? I got too many other places to go, man. I don't have time. Dude, for, Brazil for... is overrated. I don't get why you're going. <laughs> Brazil's I don't get it. Like you probably have to get like I'm five shots. For... You know, you probably have to get you know like a hepatitis A, hepatitis B, some bizarre mosquito vaccine that makes your eyes bleed. I mean, do you want to get those shots? No, no one does. You are so you're just so bad. You're so, <laughs> so prejudiced against Brazilians. It's not even fun. <laughs> Stop it. Anyone who listens to this show absolutely thinks you hate Brazil. This is two shows now. This is two shows. What, what, was, what did I say the other show? I can't remember. We were talking about Manaus and how like they had the jungle is like covering the stadium and you have no, to go no, no. Like, I said you know? I said you're going to go to the jungle and then you took it totally like the wrong way. Like you know, you, that, that, I, I believe I, that was I, on you. <laughs> no, I'm telling you how people would take it. So I'm just letting you know you got to be careful these days. People take things the wrong way all the time. So, yeah. I know they do. It's it's sad that they do. Man, I miss the days before internet and before cell phones. I mean, I was, like, po- I was like, I was like, actually, actually, I was like three. I was three when that day, happened, you know? The days before co- political correctness is what you mean. Yeah, those days too. Well, the days, but like, you know, the days were like, you know, I feel like sometimes like it's just too much information, you know? It's like it's overwhelming. I, I don't think that's what it is, but. Oh. I, it's, I think it has more to do with political correctness. Maybe. Not to run them, but that's true. It is what it is. Yeah. All right, man. Hold well, uh, I guess that wraps up the show, dude. That's it. We're done. Yeah, that that's pretty- it. Those are those are all the topics that that we listed. I mean, I had a few things that I wrote down, but I mean, somehow I guess you didn't get that in your email, so I guess we're not talking about those. You can say, hey, shoot, throw anything you want at me right now. We can we can wrap up the show, talk about anything you want to talk about. No, I don't have anything right now. Speed round, speed round. Come on, let's give me give me a couple. Okay, what, what do you? Okay, uh, first player in the MLS draft. Uh, Steve Burnwell. Uh, two thousand fourteen MLS Cup winner. Portland Timbers. MLS MVP. Mm, that's a tough one. Uh, that's yeah, you got me on that one. You got me on that one. Diego Valeri. Uh, months my relationship lasts with my new girlfriend. Ooh, I don't want to jinx that. I don't want to jinx that. But knowing you, what are we? Uh, whenever the the start of the MLS season. <laughs> also, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think she understands that we record this show. <laughs> like insane. Yeah. Um, 
chances that the SBI show meets again in Portland for the All Star game? Oh, uh, that's a high, that's absolutely a possibility. Absolutely, that, that is going to happen. I think we should be before that. I think you. Yeah, I'd like to think our our paths will cross before that. I like to think that you're going to come to Arizona for MLS preseason. I'm, I'll tell you what. If I had a place to stay in Arizona, I would go to Arizona. Uh, I, would, I would fly out there. I, don't, I need a place to stay. I'm you can sleep on my couch. I, we'll have to figure it out. We'll have to figure it out. Just because, uh, yeah. Because I mean, if I'm going to go, I got to go for like a week. You know, I'm going to go for a week. I'm uh, a week of hotel, paying a hotel cost. It's a little, you know. Gold.com is, is, isn't really big on the MLS preseason thing. And, you know, SBI, SBI has to divert funds to the MLS, uh, uh, to, to our World Cup coverage, because we will have someone in, uh, in Brazil covering the World Cup for SBI. I'll be covering the World Cup for Gold.com. Who's, and, uh, who's covering it for SBI? Uh, are you allowed to release this information? Well, uh, Franco oh, breaking Panizzo. news on the SBI show. Bah, 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 bah. There we go again. Franco Panizzo, knock on wood, will be covering the World Cup. Franco for SBI, so he'll be in, he'll be in Brazil with me, and uh, so you know, since we we have to fund that trip, so there's not a lot of it's going to cut down considerably on the, on the rest of the year's travel for SBI. So God, God I might, knows, I might I might have to sleep on your couch. God knows what trouble Franco will get into in Brazil. He's fine. He's fine. <laughs> He's fine. You've been, hey, we've all been out. I think you know. I don't know. I, I know. I know. I, I know. Uh, <laughs> all right, I was. <laughs> that wraps up the show, man. You have a uh, you have a good night. You have a good weekend. Uh, we'll talk again later this week because the SBI show is going to go back to dare I say, Ivis, three shows a week. Yes, we will be back on uh, Tuesday night recording, and we'll drop hopefully episode one hundred and two on Wednesday. Uh, we're going to try to line up a few guests. We already have one interview set up uh, for Tuesday night, and uh, on Thursday I will be heading down to Florida for the MLS Combine. Uh, and if, if you haven't seen it yet, I've already started dropping our uh, the uh, SBI MLS Draft Big Board uh, version 2.0. I dropped that late last week. And on Sunday, I dropped version 2 of the SBI Mock Draft, uh, full three rounds of a mock draft to, uh, to give you an idea of what kind of talent there is in the draft. Again, I'm not trying to pretend I know who your team's going to pick in the third round, but if anything, the Mock Draft gives you some sense of what kind of talent can be there what kind of players your team might be able to take and uh as i say it all the time i know i know it's i know i'm gonna hurt my arm patting myself on the back but i think we we have the best uh the best draft coverage there is that's been the case for a few years now and uh you know if you really want to know where players are rated you want to be checking out our our mock draft our big board it's the only place you want to look you don't want to look anywhere else trust me on that one yes that's soccer by ivis.net in case anyone did not know Absolutely. So that's where you want to go for your, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to diss anyone else's, but I do find it funny sometimes when I get, I get phone calls and text messages from coaches and GMs uh, from around the league, uh, making fun of some of the mock drafts that are out there. Cause you know what? They're not all as thorough. So there's some good ones and there's some really bad ones. So SBI's is a pretty solid one. And I'd there are that. some great ones. That's those are the SBI. No, there's only, there's only one great one. There's only one great one. I'll tell you, there you go. I'm done. I'm done bragging. Yeah, you are you done? Getting, you can get off your platform now, please. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, man. All right, you have a. Like I said, you have a good rest of the night, man. And uh, we'll talk on Tuesday night. Yes, sir. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Ivis and I would also appreciate some new reviews on iTunes to start off the new year, wouldn't we, Ivis? Absolutely. I gotta say, I'm a little disappointed because I thought when we dropped episode 100 with those three great interviews. Some people would have been inspired to go send us a review. No, we didn't get a single review, but it's okay, folks. You can make up for it. Get, get us, uh, hit, hit us with a few reviews on iTunes if you can. And uh, I'd also like to point out that episode 100 helped us surpass the quarter of a million uh, plays mark on SoundCloud. And that's a pretty significant milestone for us. I got to say, I'm pretty sure Garrett never would have imagined that we'd break a quarter of a million listens on soundcloud but you know what great it's a great milestone for us and we're just going to try to keep it rolling in 2014 dude when i convinced you to do this show with me i was working part-time at a radio station and that was like it like that was that was it and then you picked me up and, and look at me now man 101 shows <laughs> in i just we'll see we'll see hopefully hey we're still waiting on that sponsorship deal for somebody and uh you know we got a few things in the in the works and uh so it's gonna be a big year big absolutely big year for us i'm excited man and, you know the u.s men's national team is you know what you and i do best so it's gonna be good but we're still gonna talk mls we'll probably do more mls this year too but you know we, we, we can get some all that stuff later so you have a good night i'll talk to you on tuesday all right bud
All right, man. As always, everyone, thank you for listening. This is the SBI Show. That's the one. Ha, ha, ha.